All right, here we go. August 4th, 2021. It's the QTR podcast. We got Column on the line. God help us all. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the QTR podcast. This podcast is brought to you by my patrons. Patrons are people that sign up and donate a monthly recurring sum to help support the podcast. I am going to shout out some of my patrons. I'm going to give you two rules for the podcast, and we are going to get on our merry way. First and foremost, I want to shout out my friends over at JM Bullion. JM Bullion is my exclusive gold and silver provider. They are the only place that I buy my gold and silver bullion from. They have been in business for nearly a decade. They've done over $3 billion in sales. They are as reputable as they come. They ship their products very discreetly. They turn around my orders very quickly. QTR podcast listeners have their own sales rep at JM Bullion, which means you don't need to deal with going online if you'd rather talk to a human, which, by the way, I know is like impossible nowadays thanks to COVID. Ever since COVID, everybody just turned their phone lines off. Say, due to COVID restrictions, we have a shortage of people. You will be on the phone for seven hours, you know, and then you have to get, it's just, it's a mess. Nobody wants to talk to anybody. I said on a past podcast, I called Best Buy the other day in South Philly. I just got a message like, hello, we're not taking phone calls right now. Goodbye. And then it just hung up and that was it. Well, I hate that shit. And if you want to order gold and silver bullion, sometimes you want to talk to somebody. Email Laura, L-A-U-R-A at jmbullion.com. She is there just to help out with QTR podcast listeners. She's lovely. She will get you set up with whatever it is you need. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too big. Check out my friends at JM Bullion. There's also a link to JM Bullion right in my podcast description. So if you want to check out their website, that is a great place to do it from. This podcast also brought to you by my friends over at the Doomberg Terminal. The Doomberg Terminal is one of my favorite new substacks to read. It started eh, maybe about two months ago when they wrote a piece on Michael Saylor that I really enjoyed. I think it was called A Drunken Sailor. But uh, I read that before I even knew who was behind the Doomberg Terminal. Now I do know who's behind the Doomberg Terminal. And it turns out it's somebody whose investing opinion and whose acumen I respect. And, uh, I, you know, they wish to remain anonymous. I think their team re- wishes to remain anonymous as well. But the content is excellent. I am happy to recommend subscribing to the Doomberg Terminal Substack. It is 100% free and it is a great read a great contrarian look on things, a great skeptical look on really what is a market and a world that has gone completely apeshit out of control would be a nice way to say it. So check out my friends over at the Doomberg Terminal. Check them out on Twitter and subscribe to their Substack. Those links are in my podcast description. This podcast also brought to you by my brother Sang Lucci and my other brother Wall Street Jesus and my other brother Charlie Bathgate over at the Steam Room. There is one piece of software I would recommend for tracking options flow. If you want to be a day trader that tracks options flow because everybody knows options flow can oftentimes lead to telegraphing moves in the equities market. The Steam Room is the best piece of software to do it. The Steam Room has been around and has been in the process of being improved for almost a decade now. I think I've known Lucci for almost 10 years now. He's an honest guy to do business with. He's a great person. The software is second to none. These guys were the OGs of tracking options flow. Before any of these other services started tracking unusual options activity, this was Lucci's business model. Nobody knows it better than these guys. These are the guys that invented the term sweepers. When you see call sweepers, put sweepers on Twitter and on your you know unusual op- uh, options activity feed, that's 
Wall Street Jesus's term, he fucking invented that shit like 10 years ago. Nobody does it better than these guys. They will work with you to get you a free trial, no credit card, no bullshit, no nonsense, 30 days. Tell them QTR sent you. You want to try their software. Wall Street Jesus and Sang Lucci, the product is called the Steam Room, motherfuckers. <laughs> Good guys. You can reach out to them. Their info is in my podcast description. This podcast also brought to you by the Rebel Capitalist Pro Platform, which is my homeboy, George Gammon, who has teamed up with Lynn Alden, Chris McIntosh, Brent Johnson, and a bunch of other people that are 10 times smarter than I will ever be to talk macro in the world of central banks gone wild over at Rebel Capitalist Pro. What do you get with that platform? Well, you get a live Q&A with people like Lynn Alden, with people like Brent Johnson and George Gammon on the weekly. So almost every day you have a Q&A where you can ask questions and get answers. And also you have access to wonderful model portfolios that show you what people like Lynn Alden are you know, putting in their own personal portfolios and you get access to the wonderful Rebel Capitalist Pro community and their forum uh, George is on there every day. I'm reading the forum all the time. You know, guys like Brent Johnson bum around the forum to, you know, take questions, answer things. It's just a wonderful platform. George Gammon is an incredible uh, success over the last two years in terms of getting people to follow his YouTube and shit like that because he's a pro and he uh, he comes by it honestly and uh, he's looking for answers the same way that I'm looking for answers. So happy to call George my friend and recommend Rebel Capitalist Pro. Link is in my podcast description. This podcast also brought to you by my friends at Corvus Gold, my friends at Investors Underground and Traders for a Cause, Ken R., Chris B., Nicholas Parks, Matthew Zimmer, shipping analyst Jay Mincemeyer. Nobody does dry bulk better than Jay Mincemeyer. Russ Valenti, my friend Crichton Titus, my friend Camila Soul, and some of my newest patrons. A couple of you checked in on PayPal over the last couple of days. I want to say thank you guys very much. I don't have your names right in front of me, but there were two of you this month that hit me up on PayPal. I just want to thank you very much. I do see those PayPals when they come in. Also, some of my newest patrons like JB, Ryan Kellogg, Scrooge McDuck is still in the house. TK Mao, thank you, my friend. Danny Wilson, Base Tradesman is in the house. What's going on? Dope Lunchbox, Seth Donnelly, Gerald Burns, bunch of great people. Brad Nesseth and Gavin Thomas, Zach Hansen, my friend Andrew is in the house. Adam Rossi, John Gravum. How about some people that have been with me for a minute on Patreon? George Baker, Joseph Rainier, Phantom Dills is still in the house. Adam Baumley, what's up? Matt Tackett and Duke Matlock, it's been a minute. And then going back, let's throw it way back, way, way back to April 2019. Guys like Alan Jaruski, James Kurian, I think, Justin Vaccaro, Paul Brennan. I still see you guys, man. DH, what's up? Are you out there somewhere, DH? You've been hanging with me since October 16th, 2018. I appreciate the shit out of your continued patrons. Carl Nixon, Peter Masso, same goes for you guys. Two rules for the podcast today. First is this is not financial advice, investment advice, life advice, or medical advice. I really don't know anything at all. Let's just get that out there right now. I hold no licenses, no registrations. I'm definitely not an MD or a DO. I'm not a CFA or a CPA. Just a guy that is badly in need of a new rear view mirror or a side view mirror. You know, I'm fucking moved to a new condo in Philly. First day my shit's on the street, somebody comes by and just takes off my side view mirror. That's who I am. And now you know what? I didn't even fix it because who cares? You know, who cares? Does anybody really care what their car looks like? I don't. 
I don't know. There's no point of living in the city and obsessing over like scratches and details in your car. So I'm driving around with a fucking side view mirror that looks like it has been through a meat grinder. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but the point is I have no idea what I'm talking about. This podcast has a three drink minimum. I hold no licenses, no registrations. None of this is investment advice. Please consult your doctor, consult your therapist, consult your financial professional, consult a friend, phone a friend if you need to, but don't take advice from me or from my guests. And with that being said, let's get on with the damn show. I have with me today, my dear friend, economic commentator, chemist, Betty R. Miller, professor of chemistry and chemical biology at a little community college called Cornell. You ever heard of it? He holds a PhD from Columbia University, another second tier school, a master's from Columbia University, uh, which I think is an associate's degree, two year university, uh, and another master's from Columbia and a bachelor's from Cornell. Jesus Christ. We're just, you really have all these degrees, Dave? You know, it turns out New York State gives a uh, a twenty at the time gave a twenty five hundred dollar allocation for every degree given by a New York State school, and so in a matter of uh, two and a half years, I got two masters and a PhD. That's so. That's what happened. What do they do? They they actually give you twenty five hundred dollars, or they put it in some kind of account? No, they don't give it to me. They give it to Columbia. New York State gives it to Columbia. Oh, okay. So Columbia just. Starts loading up. The, the the only degree that was really rational was the PhD. The masters were just tw- were just twenty five hundred dollar bonuses, sort of like COVID uh, bonuses in hospitals. Jeez, I think like how many years of post high school education is that total for you? Well, uh, four year college, two and a half year PhD, six and a half years. Mm. All right, all right. So the nice thing is, you know, you're you're definitely accredited. In, in some regards, you know, I think that probably pisses a lot of people off that you have so many degrees from so many prestigious universities because you have so many opinions that are that stand at odds with like everybody else in academia on many things. And so uh, right. it's probably annoying to some people that you can wave around these sheets of paper from Columbia and Cornell and be like, listen, you know, I graduated from the same place as you. We got the same education, the same prestige, the same Ivy League background. Now, if I go out and try to, you know, flex my nuts with my master's degree from Newman University, which is a uh, a lovely little Franciscan college outside of Philadelphia, but not quite with the uh, the uh, prestige and global name recognition, if you will, of uh, an institution like Cornell. I might not have as much luck. Well, you're only as good as your best ideas. Nothing more. That's right. So listen, we have a lot of shit to talk about, dude. We haven't talked in, I think, since September of last year because we were supposed to get together and then uh, I had to bail out the one day. So you wound up doing a podcast with George Gammon, which was excellent. Uh, and so I, I got to thank you for that one, actually. I, you know, it was one of my favorite podcasts with George. Somehow we were on the same plane that day. It worked really well, in my opinion. That doesn't surprise me. I, you know, George is a patron of the podcast, and so I always, I always shout him out at the beginning of every podcast. And I really like him. I, I think he's really, he's he comes by it honestly. I said today, he's trying to find the truth, just like we are, and he's he really tries to cut through the bullshit. I, I, I'm just I'm waiting for the for the game to start. You know, All right, let's go. Passes. Let's go. The warm up passes don't don't go anywhere. All right, let's go. Let's talk about what is going on in the world of COVID 
and the Delta variant. Now, are you masked up for this podcast? Because if you are not triple masked, you know that the Delta variant can uh, transmit through radio waves and infect me from wherever you are in Montana uh, to me here in my condo in Philadelphia. So are we taking precautions today? Are you wearing a condom? <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing a plastic bag over my head. So what do you make of what's going on? I, I, I no longer sense that I can make anything of what's going on. It, it, it um, The more I look at what's going on, the more it looks like a, 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 an unbelievably globally coherent story to screw the pooch in a, in a way that folks can't imagine. I, I've, I've, I've gone so far down the rabbit hole. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I don't see rabbits anymore. I'm way past the rabbits. So um, everything looks contrived and purposeful, and I'm just trying to figure out what the purpose is. Yeah, it seems, I was talking to somebody on one of my last podcasts that it seems like not only did we, not only did we miss our window to react, even, you know, with the whole thing, going back to 2020, not only did we miss our window to react, but when we did react, we we overshot the mark in a huge, huge, huge way. And the analog I always make is, you know, look at what we do for the flu. I think Rand Paul said this yesterday. I was just watching a clip of his. Look at what we do for the flu. All right. And it, assuming COVID is three times as deadly as the flu, do do our actions responding to COVID relative to what we do for the flu? Do, does that make sense or does it seem like a gross overshot of the mark? And and it does. And now the question is, why is that persisting? Is it just gross negligence or is there is there something more nefarious at play? Uh, there's got to be something more nefarious. Um, so so our, our actions have gotten progressively crazier, in my opinion. So when it first showed up, whenever that was, um, I suspect that it's been around for a lot longer than it even the new revised numbers are now they're pushing back to November. I think it goes way back before that. I think, um, there's a story that's out there, but it's gotten no press, but the world military games was in August and China and Wuhan actually. And a, a pile of the athletes got sicker than dogs. And I, I think, I think it was in Wuhan in August. That was 2019 and, uh, or 2020, 2019. Okay. So we're going and, way uh, back. Yeah, we're going way back. The guy, some guy started emailing me, and I'm, you know, I'm taking them both seriously and not seriously, you know, because I, I get a lot of emails now, and uh, and and then I, one day I'm watching the news, and all of a sudden they said, yeah, no one's mentioning how all the athletes at the military games got sick, and I'm going, there it is, there it is, it happened. So he told me that, I think he told me the Canadian team got leveled by it, and he, the other thing he says. And I can't confirm this, he said, but it was so noticeable that Wuhan itself was a ghost town. Now, there aren't ghost towns in China. Every square inch is covered with people, best I can tell. And um, and he said it was just a ghost town. It just didn't make any sense. They couldn't figure it out. They didn't know why. And so I I think it was doing its thing in August, and we weren't being told that far back. Um, and then it, you progress forward and you say, okay, so something got out, you know, it's a fairly benign story. Um, anyone who blames China, um, I think is not quite right in, in that every, I think every major industrialized nation at this point probably does this stuff behind closed doors. 
And the fact that it leaked out of China, it could have leaked out of anywhere in principle. The nightmare scenario is is, is the cover-up of our role in, I think, generating the, va- the virus. Um, I think our role in covering up the virus. I think our role in... And uh, I think guys like Barrick and Dasek and stuff and, and the, the 28 virologists who denounced the lab leak theory as conspiracy theory, that they should all be put on a slow boat to China. Um, and and so, so there's some really bad stuff going on very early in the, the virus technology. I just read this morning from a prominent blue checkmark tweeter that, um, that, that the Gates Foundation dumped – 50 million bucks into BioNTech uh, sometime in early 2019. And and next thing you know, BioNTech are the guys who come up with the vaccine in 2020. What are the odds, right? So the Gates Foundation's 50 million turned into over a billion. And so I think this is, I'm gonna go right down the rabbit hole. I think they knew it was coming. There's all these quotes from Fauci and Gates about 2019 or 2020 is going to be the year of the vaccine. Don't know what they were talking about at the time, but it seems pretty clear they knew something. So, so I've completely lost my mind at this point. I think that uh, I think they knew the va- virus was coming. Um, I, I can entertain the idea they released it. Um, I have no evidence of that, but I can entertain the idea they released it. And uh, and it's very clear that these uh, these vaccines showed up in breathtaking speeds um, uh, from the release of the information about the virus too fast, too fast. You'd be scrambling to figure out how, what to do next. But no, I think they were in the queue. This guy, David Martin, goes back and he thinks he can trace the virus back to 2002, looking at the patent literature. Uh, he thinks they released the vaccine. I don't know if he's a complete nut job or not. I don't know who's. I don't know who's sane, who's lying. I don't. I, it, it's disorienting to to a degree I've never experienced before. Yeah, Dave, if you can move the move the mic just away from your mouth just slightly, it's popping just slightly when you talk. I'm sure you're. Well, be it's fun. it's con- it's connected to my headset, and it's not a mic sticking out. It's in the it's in the headpiece. Oh, is it? Well, then maybe I, uh, maybe move move it slightly back on your head or something. I don't know. I think it'll be okay. It's just it's just popping. I'll take a little it bit. off when you're. How's that? How's that? That sounds great. Is that any better? So okay. so let's talk about blame because you said that we can't blame China for uh you know releasing the virus if you know obviously well no no if they released it we can blame them like crazy but 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 the idea that that china was being nefarious by studying this stuff ignores the fact that i think this is going on in every major country in the world well let's that that's the dirty secret i think also too is the things that were going on behind the surface that Fauci knew about, that Dazic knew about. Uh, you know, obviously the the FOIA into Fauci's emails was an interesting look into really what was going on versus what was being told to the public. And this is what I focused on during my last podcast called Question the Answers. I mean, the not only ha- did ha- did it seem like we were just flailing in general when it came to guidance for the pandemic you know, mask, don't mask, it's airborne, it's not airborne, it's this, it's that, the WHO was saying one thing, the CDC was saying another. Not only did it seem like we just generally couldn't get our shit together, but then we find out that, you know, 
at least something was concerning enough about that gain-of-function research, uh, that gain-of-function paper for Fauci to go ahead and pass it along to one of his subordinates and say, hey, you know, you're going to have some work to do today. I'm going to I'm going to call you on this or something. Uh, and then to come out and just laugh off the idea publicly, which stoked a fire from the media to kind of dismiss any alternative theories as conspiracy theories, even though a virology lab being just miles from, you know, ground zero here would just should just play to anybody's common sense. Uh, you know, you don't have to be a deep conspiracy theorist to, to figure out maybe there's a link there. The FOIA, you know, emails revealed quite a bit, Dave. What what was your take on those when, when Fauci's emails were released? Well, they, they did reveal a ton. Um, it certainly showed that they, they knew the lab leak was a very real possibility and probably the, the, the most logical possibility. Um, the guy, Christian... Christensen, Christian, yeah. uh, said, look, we, if you look at the sequence, the, the, these look engineered and that's one of the big ones, but, uh, but they were in panic mode. They were in complete, uh, panic mode for at least a day or two. And, uh, what was also noticeable is, is what they didn't reveal. Um, they were heavily redacted and one can only imagine what the redaction had. And, uh, I, I got the feeling when I was Curiously, when I was reading the emails, I got the feeling Fauci was smart enough to know to not himself say anything. Yeah. So Fauci didn't say incriminating things. It was the emails to Fauci that were incriminating. And uh, he's kind of uh, uh, he's kind of circumspect. And I think that's 35 years of being a skanky whore politician. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you make of the direction the country's heading now where look the the delta variant is more infectious i mean I, i'm not contesting that i don't know if you want to but let's assume you don't want to and uh the death rate from the uh uh and i think it's i think the data shows that it's less deadly but it's more infectious and so what do you think of the direction we're taking now which is the country just still appears to be gripped with fear and making our decisions based on that. But for, I think I saw Ron DeSantis this morning, one of the Florida school districts tried to implement a mask mandate. And he's like, you know what? We're just not doing it. We'll cut off your funding. And that's that. I mean, aside from, you know, guys like him, it, it seems like, and you know, guys like Rand Paul, really, it seems like everybody else is just operating from a, from a place of just being petrified. Um, I don't think the country's as petrified as the uh, media is presenting the country's being petrified. I think I think I think uh, there are people who somehow seem to be thriving on on fear. But um, uh, so this is where it's just keeps getting darker. So it started out as flatten the curve. And that made total sense because uh, we had no idea what was going on now. Right. Do, did, really have no idea what was going on. It's not at all obvious to me that we were as blind. We collectively were as blind as the populace was. And, uh, and so I, I, it's quite possible that, um, that, uh, that this virus was, was a known entity to certain key individuals. And it's quite possible that how it would end up being treated was a known entity to key individuals. Um, and and what they had to do to to orchestrate the narrative, but um, but at the time it sure seemed like um, the scramble was to understand it, 
which which I gave them credit for trying to do. Um, it was really garbled by the fact that that everything was also anti-Trump. And whether you like Trump or hate Trump, that was clearly the case. So it was, it was clear that they were going to hang the pandemic on Trump. Again, fair or not. And so a lot of the stuff they were saying made sense in a combination of confusing science and confusing politics. Um, where where I went off the rails is, is that it really looks like the pandemic started to subside. And this is where some like Rand Paul um, comes in where he was saying, look, we're, we're there now, dudes, stop. And, and, and they weren't stopping. And so now what I see, what is confounding to me, um, which takes me down very dark places, um, I see a, a panic, panic, emphatic, authoritarian levels of, of insisting that we all vaccinate. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's 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 Soviet style um, propaganda. It's it's coercion. It's bludgeoning. Uh, you know, I, I was told that Cornell would mandate a vac vaccination, and my wife clearly was nervous about the whole thing. So I said, "Okay, fuck it, I'm going to do it." And I, I stalled long enough to make sure that people weren't going to be flopping over from the vaccine. And and statistically, the short term events. Short-term events seem to be uh, uh, small enough and infrequent enough that I said, "Okay, so I, I'm not going to just die." Uh, um, and one way to think about it is from from age 70 to 100 per month, 200,000 people die. That's just a normal year. That, that's that's the demographics. And so so during the vaccination, let's say in a given month. 30% of that age bracket got vaccinated, right? There was a very fast vaccination. Um, that means that, you know, 60,000 families thought the vaccine killed their parent because they died right after they got vaccinated, right? And and so so it's very hard to sort through those numbers. And, and even statistically, there's going to be some percentage of the people who literally walk outside the vaccine clinic and within 24 hours die. Right. If you're going to lose 200,000 a month and most are getting vaccinated, that's going to happen. So, so you could shake that off. But, uh, but at some point, it got batshit crazy. And at some point, it became now we're going to vaccinate kids. Makes no sense. There's not a shred of scientific basis to that. Right. The narrative... Um, and some stuff I read, I say, no, I don't think that's right. And I'm, I try not to reiterate that. But, uh, but, but the virologists that I've listened to say, look, if, if you are infected, if, if you're going to pass along the vaccine, you have to be infected. It's not the, the virus goes in, hits your snot, comes back out. There's not that, that will not infect another person, in my opinion. One of the reasons is, is because, um, is because, um, one of the reasons is is because yeah, there, there's a dosage dependence. This showed up very early. Uh, actually, a, a brother of one of my colleagues did a podcast with Zuckerberg, and he said there's a dosage dependence. So if you get a real plume in your face, the odds of getting infected are far greater than if you get a waff. So it's not like a couple of couple of virus particles get in your system and blow you away. There's a critical sort of threshold appears to me, and that showed up. Oh, that was known by January, February of 2020. And so the idea that you could get virus in your nose, you're not infected, but you blow it back out and infect people's nuts, in my opinion. 
And the virologists say if you're infectious, it means you're spewing virus, which means your cells are kicking, creating it and kicking it out. You're, you become a, a bit of a plume of virus, which also means if you're, if you're doing that, your immune system is responding and therefore you're symptomatic because your, your symptoms of, a, of an infection are your immune system responding. And so I think asymptomatic infection is, is quite possibly mythical. Mildly symptomatic is fine. I have no trouble with the idea that Joe Blow has the sniffles, doesn't realize he's got COVID. But I, I think asymptomatic doesn't make sense biochemically. And I've talked to a number of biochemists, they seem to sign off on that idea. I, everyone's hesitant. I talked to a biochemist back in February 2020 and said, does this look like a lab leak? And he said, no. And he recently said, yeah, it's clearly a lab leak now. And I said, what is it that caused you to draw the wrong conclusion? He said, he said I think I was just swayed by the consensus from the virology community. Now we know that they, that they collectively were pathological liars. The 28 who signed the letter denouncing the lab leak theory were pathological liars. Well, or, they, had, they had a vested interest in covering it up, too. Are you talking about the Lancet? They were told by the guy who gives them all their money, sign the fucking letter. Right. Right? And if, if that's your... And, and you sit there and you go, well, okay, I haven't had time to dig into this shit because I'm writing a proposal right now and blah, 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 and life's busy and blah, blah. I'm sure I'll sign the letter because Dasik's, you know, I, I believe Dasik, I believe Barrick, I believe those guys because they're really good. And so I think some signed off not knowing what they were signing off to. But I would take the 28 and I would defund them for the rest of their lives, period. I'd call it a crime against humanity and send them packing, Period. No tolerance for that. It uh, certainly is interesting when you start reverse engineering. You know, you, when you go back to that op, the uh, the opinion piece or whatever the hell it was that they published in the Lancet. I think we're talking about the same thing, where Dazic and you know the team were saying, "Hey, you know," and then Dazic also wrote an, an op ed in the Guardian that I read too, saying, "Hey, let's just Dazic forget be hung from let, the balls until that. Let's just Dazic, forget the Dazic lab. A crime against humanity." Right. It's interesting to look back on it now, knowing what we know about Fauci's communication with, uh, you know, some of these individuals and and exactly what was going on. I mean, it does look like a cover up. It, it looks like it looks like sweeping it under the rug. And then it's like, you know, then the question becomes, you know, what else are we going to find out? And this is what I was talking about on my last podcast. It, you know, it's been 18 months and the. uh the idea of a lab leak has gone from completely batshit to conspiracy theory to, hey, you know, hey, this is the most common sense explanation because the virology lab's right there. So, you know, maybe we should look at it. Why didn't we think well, of it's this? Well, it's not just like, that. Serious biochemists have looked at the sequencing and said that does not make sense. Right, right. But if you published on that over the last 18 months, you were banned from social media. There's the problem that, you know, I heard back in maybe February that, that, that Fauci and, and the and, and the, the health system, I never know which agency, there's all these, you know, NIH and NAIAD and whatever. I don't know who's who, which one to actually peg, but Fauci's at the core of the whole thing, that they had sent three million bucks to Wuhan and I was dismissive of it because eh, it's probably some exchange program. Three million bucks doesn't buy a squat in a virology lab. That's that's peanuts. But China doesn't need our three million bucks, right? right. They we they lend us money for those three million bucks. 
And, and so I was dismissive because I said, that's, that's, that's not a smoking gun. That's, that's, that's a chicken feed transfer of money to pay for some scientists to be there on right. exchange. Ever. Um, now it turns out that they were laundering hundreds of millions through that, that, uh, healthcare alliance that, that Dayzak was running. And, and, and that, that it's pretty clear that the CIA money was leaking in there and defense money of other kinds was leaking in there. So it's clear that we were running, I think it's pretty clear we were running a bioweapons lab in, in Wuhan. How do you now why you run a bioweapons lab in China is makes my, my head spin. If you're going to run a bioweapons lab, let's pick Sweden or something, right? Let's, uh, the China, really? China? Well, how do you that's, that's, how do you figure that money was being uh, siphoned over there for other things, hundreds of millions of dollars? Unpack what you just told me a second ago. Well, so people are busily tracing various various ledgers in in federally and in, in, in publicly available federal things, and you can see DOE money and DOD money going into going into the the healthcare alliance, I think it's called. And those are the guys who funded the Wuhan lab. And then you got you got unbelievable interviews to guys like Barrick from North Carolina, who's talking about how you know investor money will show up. Some really dark. I can't reiterate them without screwing them up. But but talking about about the the, the vi viruses and the and vaccines and how investor money will show up if you tell a good story. And this was from 2015. And and it just it just seems like they've been playing into this. So this idea of remember that that war games that Gates Foundation sponsored in October of 2019. That was just I think the most recent of those things. I, I I'm now convinced this goes way back. David Martin traces back to 02. He he traces all the patents. There's patents being transferred between UNC and NAIAD. I, I could have those letters reversed. Uh, it's not a part of NIH I deal with. And 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 then transfer from there into Moderna. And 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 so the, 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 there's paper trail surfacing that shows that that so much more was known and so much more was anticipated. And I, I guess it's not it's not a guarantee that they knew this pandemic was coming, but it sure looks like they were, did everything they could do to be ready for it. And and I I I think I think I think Gates is one dirty bastard at this point. And I think I think I think the scientists, if if I were to put my myself in the head of the scientists, you give a scientist the ability to try cool experiments. Many of them do not have the ability to resist. So an example was when coal fusion was reported. Now it, it turns out I happen to know the guy who 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 set up the global archive to archive the whole coal fusion story. So it was interesting discussions I've had with him. But but when coal fusion showed up, the idea that at room temperature using a palladium catalyst you could carry out fusion on a bench top. Um, Within a month or two, 150 labs had, had tried to replicate it, and they didn't, right? And that's science cleansing itself. But it's also 150 labs doing something on a benchtop that should never be done on a benchtop. You shouldn't be doing fusion on a benchtop in a chem building. <laughs> but they did. And that shows you that, you know, it's, it's you know, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no, 
there's no ethical guidelines for some of the egomaniacs that are in science. Right. Right. And so I think the scientists are not necessarily building bioweapons in their heads as much as just doing the coolest doing things that they can right. do. And, you know, and whenever I, anyone writes a grant, the opening paragraph is always how we're going to change the world. That, that every grant you ever write, the opening paragraph, so it's going to be curing climate change, it's going to be saving the whales, it's going to be, you know, curing cancer, or AIDS, or, or COVID, or whatever. Your grants are all going to say, here's an important problem of undeniable central role in society, and here's why we're going to solve an important part of that problem, and here's why you should give me some goddamn money. That, that's the introduction of every grant. And so the scientists just fall into the trap of doing the shit they shouldn't do. So I think in some sense it's, it's the egg-headed, on-the-spectrum idiots who don't think about the consequences of their actions. Now, the guys at DOD and stuff paying and CIA paying for the shit, they know what they're doing. Yeah, well, speaking of ethics, just going back to something you mentioned like 10 minutes ago, uh, you know, when you started talking about children and and the virus and how, you know, the things that we're doing to children, you know, making the children mask up and now doing clinical trials on children, on infants, uh, you know, for the yeah. vaccine. And yeah. I just wanted to note then, but I've forgotten, I wanted to let you speak, was that, you know, even the people in my life that are as pro-vaccine as they get, uh, even some of those people, including my uh, my general uh, physician, my doctor, who has advised me not to get the vaccine if I don't feel 100% comfortable with it. He himself is not vaccinated. His family is not vaccinated. Okay, this is my doctor. And I asked this guy, I talked to him because I trust him and because I wanted a third party opinion without any interference. I wanted to know if I was being crazy and not buying into the hysteria, like you said, which really feels like a propaganda campaign at this point, I mean, they're bribing people. They're moving the goalposts. By the way, just, bribing people, I think, is illegal. Well, but let, who's who's going to call them on it? Let me finish my thought. You're right. You're 100 percent right. You know, paying. I saw some, one of the employers today, maybe J.P. Morgan or something, paying a thousand dollars for people to get vaccinated. Vanguard. I mean, that just Vanguard. yeah, that just doesn't feel right. Something's weird there. I don't know what it is. You know, it would be like them paying you a thousand dollars to go on a vegan diet because it reduces your risk of diabetes. It's like, you know, my shit, can my I, health. Can I take a swipe at why they did it? Yeah, go ahead. I, I think there are employers who see the writing on the wall. What do you mean? So look at, you know, McDonald's, they can't get employees. Well, I think Vanguard's worried that there will be a proclamation from the Biden administration who couldn't couldn't possibly be more disappointing to me than the Biden administration um, are going to then mandate that everybody be vaccinated or they can fuck themselves, period. Right. And they're so close to that now. Right. They're talking about how we have to make life miserable for the unvaccinated. That 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 Asian woman, what's her name, Juan? She goes on, we have to make life as bad as possible for the unvaccinated. I go, beat her with a bat for Christ's sakes. Let's make her life bad. Let's, you know, God damn it, what a piece of shit she is. Huh, and, it's just, and, so, and the harder you push... Though, 
Vanguard sees a business model risk here where they're going, holy shit, half our employees might not be employable. What are we going to do? Yeah. And, the, and, and so the, Vanguard the, jumping ahead and saying, we'll drop a thousand bucks per employee, make sure we have a vaccinated workforce. Yeah. And the harder that you push on these things, you know, the people, people that have decided not to get vaccinated for one reason or another, or they're still on the fence, uh, they obviously, if they've made it to this point without getting vaccinated, they've, They've got some semi, you know, strong conviction, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're not really, you know, they, they, they're, they're comfortable with standing by their decision. Mm-hmm. And so the harder you push on those people and the more you, you know, insult them and the more that you uh, attack them and the more that you try to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, d- keep them out of everyday society and all those things, it, they're just going to become more and more pissed off and it's just going to divide things further. And then, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have a, a problem. You're going to have some kind of like, you know, protests or you're going to have, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. All I know is you can't just keep, well, there's protests keep, all over Europe you right can't now. keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and, you know, getting to that, that point where, you know, it's excruciating to move the needle another percentage point to get people vaccinated. And you just keep throwing and throwing and throwing incentives at people and, you know, just talking shit about them. And, you know, a lot of this reminds me of the of the Trump thing, right? There's a lot of Trump voters that are total psychopaths, but there's also a lot of Trump voters that are relatively normal people who voted for him, you know, for either policy reasons or other reasons that along the way didn't take kindly to the fact that they were constantly being insulted and constantly being lumped in as, you know, the deplorables. As if as if being, you know, intelligent and voting for Donald Trump are, you know, not mutually exclusive, right? So this is the same thing. That you know, they're they're just gonna tell and what happened, you know, with the Trump thing. We wound up getting January sixth, which, you know, has turned into a disaster. Right. And so what's gonna happen now that that same group of people, many of whom, you know, are are similar. I'm sure there's people on the left too, I'm sure, that are anti vax. You have your organic food people, you know, your vegan nuts, you're all natural people, you're anti vaxxers. There's there's some of those on the on the political left too. But you can't just push and push and push and push and push and expect that, you know, at some point you're not gonna get something back from these people. Um, and that's that's what we're doing. The the pressure, it's but, like but a hydraulic press. It's just vaccinated or not. No one's made a coherent argument. They're saying what are they saying? They're saying here's what they're saying. They're saying if you get the vaccine, you're protected. They're flat. I listened to about two hours of Fauci yesterday. Why? Because it beats sticking needles in my eyeballs, I guess. But I listened to two hours of Fauci. I estimated that by the time I was done, that he was lying 90% of the time. He's a pathological liar. Well, they, he, they just, they just, you know, Biden came out and said, you can't get COVID if you get vaccinated a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and then, we know and, Biden's and, then, and then a week, well, yeah, I mean, but still, like, let's get it together. You guys want to stay on message and you want to present some kind of unified argument for the vaccine, get your shit together and figure out what it is that you're going to argue for and, and, you know, present that with some uniformity, but they're just flailing, Dave. They're just all, you know, know, it's incoherent too, because they're saying if you get vaccinated, you'll be protected. And then they're saying the people who are not vaccinated are risking the other people who are vaccinated. And I'm going, which is it? Make up your mind. And the point is they are flailing. Now, you may have noticed Bill Gates has disappeared from the debate. You know why? Because we all know he's a liar. He's no longer constructive to the discussion because everyone's looking at Gates going, holy shit. 
I don't want that guy in charge. And so, so, but Fauci somehow is still out there. And that Walensky chick, oh my God, she's as bad as Fauci. They're given marching orders. They just go, just go up there and keep lying, keep lying, keep lying. And the question is why? Well, the Walensky, uh, the Walensky woman's the one who came out three or four months ago after we had the vaccine in hand and said, you know, hey, I feel an impending feeling of doom. And I'm like, I'm sitting at a cafe in Philadelphia eating an acai bowl and drinking a coffee and doing my work on my laptop. And I read that thing, you know, uh, I feel like there's an impending doom. And then I look out the window, okay, at fucking like Walnut Street. And I just see people just like eh, walking along, just enjoying their day. It's like, how many of these people are feeling impending doom? Like, you know, so or is this just something why, you want to say to broadcast on CNN? Go ahead. Why, why is Macron in France and, and Trudeau in, in, in Canada and everybody here, why are they pushing the vaccine against the will of everybody? Now, you can find people out there on social media who say, well, you know, you're, you know, you're selfish, whatever. I go, you're vaccinated. Get over it. You're fine. Vaccinate anyone in your family you want. Vaccinate your kids. I don't care if you sterilize the little bastards. Your, your gene pool sucks anyways. Um <laughs> <laughs> hey kids to vaccinate kids is nuts and you know when i first realized how psychotic this was there was a moment where where it crossed the dotted line the moment where it crossed the dotted line was december of 2020 the vaccine had been out for a very brief period and the cdc tweeted and i went to their website and checked to make sure it wasn't a fraud or something and they said the same thing the cdc tweeted and i i can recite it almost verbatim because i've thought about this so much they said they said although there are no studies there is no reason why pregnant women shouldn't get the vaccine now i'm sitting there going you got a little glob of cells that are doubling every goddamn who knows how much time it's been too long since i studied that and, and, and you're telling these women who are told don't even drink a fucking glass of wine to get a goddamn mRNA vaccine, even though there's no studies. And then they psychotically, sociopathically shoot them till they fucking bleed moment, say you could talk to your doctor, but there's no reason to. And you know why there's no reason to? Because your doctor would say, are you out of your mind, lady? No, no pediatrician or obstetrician would tell you to get a goddamn experimental vaccine while you got a glob of cells in your uterus. Well, that's you, just nuts. you don't have, you don't even have to be pregnant. You know, I text my doctor, but that showed you the sociopathy of the campaign though. Let that me, showed you it was not about, it was not about our well being. Right. Nothing. That's when my brain snapped. I said, Holy moly, this is bananas. When I, Dave, when I text my doctor, who is my general practitioner, who I've known for, I don't know, maybe half a decade now, he's been he's been my guy probably more than that, six years, seven years. What I said to him is, am I being insane about being skeptical about the vaccine? This is before I, before I knew he wasn't vaccinated himself, because that was a follow-up question I wanted to ask him some, some weeks later. I just said, am I crazy? You know, should I be going? Because I'm reading my buddy Kubiko's Twitter feed and he's pushing hard. And I got family members that are pushing me hard to get vaccinated. And so, you know, I say, am I crazy? Just tell me I'm crazy and I'll go today. And what my doctor texted me back said, there's nothing 
wrong with being concerned about a vaccine that does not have long-term safety data and is not yet FDA approved. That's what he wrote back to me. And I said, holy shit, you know, that's what I thought the common sense answer was. And it's not, I'm not anti-vaccine. I just have a little bit of concern. And at my age and in the shape that I'm in, And with, you know, what I think is the chance that I've probably had COVID already, seeing as how, you know, I've been training jujitsu this whole time and there's a lot of other, you know, I had symptoms at one point, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I just tried to do a risk reward analysis for myself and I arrived at the conclusion that I'm not ready to jab myself with this thing yet. I just, I'm not there for one reason or another. I'm not there yet. So then I went back at a later date and said to him, you know, are you vaccinated? And he told me no. But I want to talk to your point that you just made just now, which again, goes back to, you know, we've lost the, we've lost the point we're trying to make. I tweeted about when I went to go see a friend for the first time in like three years or four years, I hadn't seen this dude in Philly a couple months ago. And I was like, yo, dude, nice to see. I saw him at a bar and whatever. And I walked up to him. I'm like, Hey man, great to see you. Like, what's up? It's been so long. You know, and the first thing he said was, are you vaccinated? Just like that. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. He's like, oh, man. He's like, don't fucking talk to me. You know, and I'm like, don't talk to you. I was like, dude, are you vaccinated? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what's the fucking problem? That's exactly what I said. I'm like, what's the fucking problem then? Like, what do you? And he's like, then he's like, he stops and thinks for a second. And he's like, oh, well, he's like, well, uh, you know, I'm just concerned about your well-being. I was like, dude, no offense, but I haven't heard from you in four fucking years. You know what I mean? You can't be that concerned about my well-being. So it's just, we're just flailing again. We're just flailing again. And let me say one more thing. Then I'm going to let you talk. I'm sorry. To go back to your thing about the kids, we're talking about, you know, moral and ethical uh, questions that need to be raised. You know, the masking the kids is one thing. I doesn't make a lot of sense to me, given the data that kind of shows that this thing disproportionately doesn't hit kids the way that it hits, you know, middle-aged or elderly people. But the idea of of running vaccine trials on the kids and that that has to be a priority and it has to happen now, it just feels like it just feels like we're pushing and pushing and pushing for the wrong. Re- it just gives me the willies, dude. I can't explain it. it just doesn't make me feel right. So the question then becomes why I have trouble wrestling with the idea that somebody just wants to make some goddamn money. That's too simple. For example, I don't know, but the problem is, is when you rule out that. So, so Pfizer, for example, makes, I don't know, something like 15 billion a year on Lipitor. Pfizer makes probably, you know, eight or 9 billion on Chantix. So, so, so for Pfizer, the vaccine is the equivalent of a blockbuster drug, but no more. And, and they have to have blockbuster drugs all the time because they're so damn big. And so, so, so to generate the kind of sociopathy that, that I'm seeing tells me that that's not the plot. But for example, let's say the vaccine does some serious damage. Pfizer's reputational damage will be so bad that I would think that that in itself would cause them to be more circumspect. Now, forget about the fact that they're legally covered. The reputational damage would be bad. 
And and I, I, I tell you, I'm going to hate them for the rest of eternity. I worked for them. I was on their payroll until about a year ago. For about 20 years, I was on their payroll. And 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 I, I've defended pharma. I've written about big cap pharma. I've defended the fact that they're not printing as much money as people think. And, you know, the cost of developing drugs is expensive and shit like that. 2020 destroyed my faith in big pharma. 2020 completely obliterated my faith in the FDA. It, uh, 2021 really did. That 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 uh, that goddamn Alzheimer's drug that they cleared, despite there was not a shred of evidence that yeah. it worked. That's yep. the FDA of the past. That's not what the FDA used to be like. They used to be conservative. And, 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 and now, the, so the FDA looks like a disaster. The CDC, burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground. Two years ago, I would have said they were pristine. I would have been so high on the CDC. I think they are institutionally gone. I think they're shot. And, and you can say, well, not all of them. I go, well, where are the goddamn ones who are speaking out saying this is wrong. And the answer is either they're not willing to because they sign off on it and they're just as bad as the douchebags like Fauci and crew, or, or they're cowards and I have no goddamn room in my, my brain for them either. So they can just hang themselves. They can commit, they can, they can off themselves out of the stress. I don't care. Uh, you know, my mom said to me, so pissed off. My mom said to me, you know, we were discussing Fauci at one point. She said, well, I think he was under an enormous amount of pressure under Trump to silence himself. And I said, all right, I'll concede that that might be true. But if that's the case, because when I was talking to her about the gain of function stuff in the emails and, and what the FOIA of, you know, revealed, and I was telling her, you know, that, hey, what he was saying here behind closed doors really stands at odds at what he was telling the public about whether or not this had the chance of being something that was uh, not man-made, but man-altered, right? And I and I talk about the nuance in that in my last podcast, Question the Answers. But, you know, what I said to her was if he had discovered that and, you know, the truth was so consequential that it would result in the saving of, you know, millions of lives or the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people or preventing the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people, doesn't he have a moral obligation to come out and say something then anyways? Uh, why didn't he blow the whistle is essentially what I was saying, he, right? Look how old he is. It's time to retire anyways. The guy could quit. He could resign. Instead, he's a whore. He's a complete whore. He survived five administrations, not because he's a scientist. He's not a scientist. If I didn't do chemistry for 35 years, I wouldn't be a chemist either. He is a political whore. And I just can't believe. So I, how you can defend Fauci is incomprehensible to me. I can't. Under pressure, then quit. You're right. You're dead right. Quit. Open your mouth. History's going to run. He's Goebbels. He's Gehring. He's bad. Did you see the, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, did you see the change in the definition for herd immunity on the CDC's website? Yes, I did. What do you make of that? Let me, let me actually just uh, read what that was to the listeners. Uh, so if they're not familiar with it, they understand what I'm talking about. The uh, the World Health Organization, 
Uh, where the fuck is it, Chris? Come on, idiot. You know, I actually tried to like have my shit prepared for this interview, and uh, it turns out that I don't. Again, so what do you think about that? But there was a definition for herd immunity. Here it is. On the World Health Organization's website. And it was previously, herd immunity is the indirect protection from an infectious disease that happens when a population is immune, either through vaccination or immunity. And that had been changed, I'm sorry, through vaccination or immunity developed through previous infection. This means that even people who haven't been infected or in whom an infection hasn't triggered an immune response, they are protected because people around them uh, are immune. And then that changed. So that was uh, June 2020. It was changed to uh, in November 2020 to herd immunity, also known as population immunity, is a concept used for vaccination in which a population could be protected from a certain virus if a threshold of vaccination is reached. It doesn't say anything about natural immunity. And as we all know, I mean, herd immunity always includes natural immunity. I mean, that was the whole big discussion about Sweden and everything when we got started. So why change the definition, you know, from June 2020 to November 2020? And why are they telling people with who've had COVID, demonstrably have had COVID, to get vaccinated? Right. And that was another thing I asked my doctor. No Are you recommending? I asked my doctor. The, the, the lying. The, the lying is so excruciating to me. I, I, I just want to beat them with a Louisville slugger. I just, there's just nothing. I, I, you know, Mussolini from the bridge upside down by their ankles. Bad news. I want them to pay for this behavior. And this is the problem. They're, the whole world is creating these scenarios that are so inflammatory. Why would Macron demand? I go back to France. I go back to, they're shutting down Australia. They're shutting down Australia again. Why? I don't know because the death toll in Australia is one per day. You shut down a country one per day, it's not a health problem. This is Goddamn Adolf Hitler 2.0. I don't know what this is. My wife says, keep calling them Nazis. Quit, quit calling them Nazis. I go, no other pejorative has the has the meaning that I'm looking for. I could call them Stalinists, too cerebral. I could call them authoritarians, too watered down. They're goddamn Nazis. Certainly the banning people from restaurants and things like that, you can draw some... You could draw some interesting uh, imagery from from some of the headlines that have come out. David on your jacket. Yeah, I I don't think we're there. I don't think we're there yet, Dave. But uh, you know, I think we're there. I think we're there. I think we're there. As you know, about the unvaccinated, like they're they're now a group. I know the unvaccinated. I know that Star of David, dude. I know, and and I just. That's the snitches on steroids. That's bad news. It's funny. I just made a new a new friend a couple of months ago. Somebody I met that uh, that I hadn't met before. Uh, just uh, through actually through the jujitsu community, and I was uh, going through their Instagram one day, and on their Instagram story, you know, the first thing that was on there in big bold letters is if you're not vaccinated, go fuck yourself and don't talk to me. And I was just like, man, I'm like, you know, and, and it's funny because when I talk to them, 
they were like very friendly to me. Like, hey, hello, how are you? Like, even like, hey, we should go out for drinks sometime, you know, stuff like that. And I'm just thinking like, man, like, which one is it? You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do when we're like sitting there having a great time and having drinks together? And I'm like, hey, by the way, like, I haven't gotten the jab yet. You know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to storm off and walk out and tell me I'm a piece of shit and tell me I don't know how to, you know, think critically and, and this, that, and the other. You could turn it into like an intellectual, like, uh, you know, a war between the two of us. Are you just, would you be so sick of the sight of me that, that you wouldn't even be able to sit there? It's just like, come on. It's like, think, think about what you're saying. You know, think about what you're saying. And this, this goes for politics too, Dave. People are just so convinced that they're so right at all times that they can't entertain other points of view. And they don't realize that other people are similarly situated in also feeling like they are right. So you can't just have these. Okay, like- but we've avoided an important question here. And that is, do you accept the idea that it doesn't make sense that it's just money? What do you mean? I don't think it could possibly be just money. I, I, thing, I think it is a mixture of gross incompetence. I think that there is a portion of the country that is legitimately scared shitless. And I think the media plays a big role in that. I think just, and even the White House fucking came out and said the other day, hey, to the media, why don't you back off with the Delta variant headlines because you guys are fucking out of control with it. Even the White House said that. The, you know, Joe Biden White House, right? Not the Trump White House, the Joe Biden White House. Can we stop with the sensationalism around the Delta variant? It's just that fucking the news organizations, you know, they get a little bit of something and they know that fear sells and they get it out there. And then you got people, I have friends, I have friends that sit home and watch MSNBC all fucking day, all day, and that shit just gets in their head, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're, they're freaking out. They're freaking out about the Delta variant. They're freaking out about this and there. I keep thinking, like, where the fuck were these people in January of 2020 when guys like Chris Martinson, guys like Ben Hunt, guys like you, guys like me were out there saying, hey, fucking idiots, wake up. Something's going on in China that might have some type of profound effect in our country. And by the way, we're buying masks, we're buying goggles, we're buying SPY puts because it could have a, you know, could be a pretty big shock to the system if it makes its way over here, which of course it's going to because everybody travels at year end into the ports of New York and Los Angeles, etc. If it, you know, wasn't already here at that point. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we were being called conspiracy, fear mongers. I got called a fear monger so many times on my Twitter. It would make your fucking head spin. A fear monger. I'm just, you know, I would say I'm going and buying ammunition. Oh, I'm a fear monger. Three months later, everybody's trying to get ammunition. Nobody can get it. I mean, it's just, where the fuck were these people then? Now, it's like the afterthought. The game is over. You know, the home team won uh, 80 to 10. And uh, and they're, they're, they're out there still talking shit about the game. It's like, you guys missed the fucking train. You missed the fucking, you know, the LIRR, the Montauk. It went breezing by two months ago. And you guys are just hopping on the tracks now, you know, kind of running behind it, trying to trying to get on it. You missed it. So where, where were these people then? Where were they then, Dave? You know, I don't... I. And the further this goes, the less forgiving I am to those who buy the narrative. Uh, again, yeah. at the start, the narrative made sense. Then it started to get a little sketchy. 
And then you start to go, wait a minute, Fauci keeps changing his tune and they keep changing the rules and we're no longer flattening the curve. This is getting stupid. You'd get some governor saying that our hospital system's overwhelmed in Texas. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, five heads of major hospitals would say, no, we're not. An article in which they five of them running up and saying, we're not overwhelmed. What are you talking about? And, and, but the problem is this is so global where, where, I, I don't think it's simple. I think it's a dark, dark thing. And I think it eventually gets to the thing that I don't know what it is. I can't get my brain around it, but it's got a name and that's the great reset. It's all part of that. That's, that's where my brain takes me. The great reset. What is it? I don't know. But I can't hear. Here's dark as dark. Can certainly, be. I can't, certainly the timing's interesting, right? Well, yeah, so they bring in COVID. By the way, I don't think cancel culture appeared as a grassroots thing. I think cancel culture was created. I think I think the I think Trump was the the big the big screw up where they go, "Holy shit, what are we going to do now? Trump's in the office." So I so I think uh, yeah, I happen to believe that the election was completely and utterly rigged. And, and I think it's because Trump was stood in the way. Forget about whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, but he stood in the way of their plans. And I don't know what their plans are. You know, the great reset, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Well, excuse me, who owns it then? What are you talking about? Are you talking about a global communist state? You really want to sell that to me? Because I'm going to lock and load and blow your head off if you try to go there. And I'm too old for this shit, so I probably won't. I'm probably just hot air. But someone sure as hell should arm up and deal with these bastards. I, I'm just so, I'm so freaked out by what I'm seeing. And the COVID, the response to the COVID went from rational to edgy and authoritarian flavored to just flat out Soviet style. You know, I expect I expect barbed wire fencing to be put up somewhere you know meanwhile biden's letting hundreds of thousands of of refugees over the border why and you know the trade the trade answers are always inadequate to me it's like oh you know that's to build up a democratic voter base i go these guys aren't going to vote for years for years they're not going to come over the border and just vote that's not how it works so why are they doing it? Why did Angela Merkel put up with North Africans flooding into Germany and just bite her lip? What was that about? I I just don't have answers to this. I just know the whole thing smells. We got to get real about Biden for a minute. The guy doesn't know which way is up. I'm sorry. Not a partisan thing. You just watch him speak. And hey, I'll even come out and admit that there was some of this with Trump, too. I mean, the guy just said dumb shit. Remember when he said, you know, fucking, he was talking about clean coal one day? He's like, clean coal. He's like, it means we're going to take the coal and we're going to clean it. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? But, like, Trump said some dumb shit, all right? And he, you know, garbled his words and this, that, and the other. Let's talk about Biden, though, okay? The guy doesn't know what fucking day it is. He doesn't know what day it is. I mean, he, right. this, this guy doesn't know... What is going on? Okay, so who is who is pulling the strings? You know, who's the guy that pulls the string on on the on Joe Biden's back and like makes him say things? You know, I mean, just see him at that summit. I mean, the people in Australia, I think, are on Sky News. It was I, I saw the uh, video the other day. I mean, just ridiculing him. He was just, he couldn't put a sentence together. 
You know, he starts a sentence and five minutes later he's still talking and he hasn't said anything. He just produced one five-minute-long sentence fragment. I mean, when are we going to get real about this guy and whether or not he's fit to be president? You want to talk about invoking whatever the 25th Amendment on Trump? I mean, th- this guy doesn't, you know, he doesn't they, know what country he's in. They don't need the 25th Amendment because he's not running it. What we don't know is who is. And it's not Harris, right? Biden was the Manchurian candidate. Harris was the Trojan horse candidate. Um, people love to say, oh, Obama. Obama was just a pawn himself. He just, they, they all get put in there. I don't know where the power structure is. We've got a military. I talked to a colonel, by the way, one day in my office who stopped in to say hi. And, and he said that the upper echelon of the military has been scrubbed of anyone who would possibly dissent against some of this shit. He said it, it's it, they're gone. So you got this General Milley, who's who's gone all woke and shit on us. And and you know what, Milley, when I see a ex-star general woke, I go, oh man, we have lost. We are so so in trouble. And uh, and so I, I again, there, it seems to me there's a gigantic overarching theme here. And it all fits together. And Antifa was orchestrated. We can talk about the Capitol riots. They aren't what they appeared to be. There, there's so much dog shit in that Capitol riot story. Um, it, it, as recently as yesterday, four Capitol uh, security guards have committed suicide. Hello? What are the odds of that? And, you know, even simpler than that, how many people died of natural causes at the Capitol riots? Four. Four died of natural causes. So how many people do you think? Give me a number you think were at the Capitol riots. 100,000 maybe? I have no idea. Was that big? But I've looked at, I've watched, so so Gab did it. Someone did a total download of all the videos on Gab. And I watched them. I watched them. At least, there were some that were so boring, they were just videos of crowds. But I would say maybe 100,000. That's a I'm gonna, Super Bowl. I'll, let me find it for you right now. Let me find it for you. 500 people were charged. Uh, but how many were at the protest? What are the estimated crowd size? That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, attempt to blah, 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 blah. Attack on the Capitol. Let's see. Here are... Blah, 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 blah. All right, go ahead. I'll let you know when I get it. So, so four people died of natural causes. Is there anyone here who finds that to be a fucked up number? So let's call the Capitol riots the size of a Super Bowl. And the pulse rates are up, and so maybe someone would get too excited and whatever in both. How many fatal heart attacks have been recorded in Super Bowls? I don't know that number. I don't think we can get that number. But I'm guessing it's not four. So four people died of natural causes, and one of them was a cop in his prime. And they tried to say he got bonked with a fire extinguisher and then his family said, no, 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 he came home and he had a stroke or whatever. This is bothersome. Five, is four of the five people who died at the January 6th riot. Uh, results are still pending for Officer Brian Sicknick, but Ashley Babbitt died by homicide from no, the gunshot, which we know. Kevin, the, the results are not pending on Sicknick. All right. Kevin, well, this is a, an article from uh, a couple weeks ago. This is USA Today. Babbitt, of no, course. But Sicknick got cremated. There are no results to be pending. Okay, well, it says results are still pending. This is USA Today. Let yeah, me yeah. just lay, let me lay out the other four. Ashley Babbitt died by homicide from a gunshot. <clears throat> Kevin Greeson Wrong. died of natural causes from cardiovascular disease. 
and then of course they 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 add in here, and this is interesting. USA Today writes. Dr. Francisco Diaz, the district's chief medical examiner, announced the causes of death as, and he lists them. Ashley Babbitt, 35, died by homicide from gunshot to the left shoulder. And then it says she was shot by a Capitol Police officer while trying to climb through a door near the house chamber. Fine. Kevin Greeson, 55, died of natural causes from cardiovascular disease. Greeson of Athens, Alabama, had a Twitter account in which he supported former President Donald Trump and profanely denounced his opponents. What the fuck does that have to do with dying from cardiovascular disease? It says prior to this that that the chief's medical examiner, right, exactly, announced the causes of death as they should only write natural causes from cardiovascular disease. doesn't matter if he's got pictures of fucking, you know, him pleasuring himself with a hockey stick on his Twitter account. Who cares? Benjamin Phillips, 50, died of natural causes from cardiovascular disease. And then, of course, it says, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, he was a computer programmer who founded a social media website for Trump supporters, which doesn't mean anything according to his cause of death. And Roseanne Boylan died by accident from acute amphetamine intoxication. And then after that, it says Boylan wanted to be a sobriety counselor and followed QAnon conspiracies. Right, which I don't even believe. But um, um, so, so this doesn't make sense to me. This would mean in any typical NFL game, there would be, since they fill that stadium up, there would be maybe, you know, three or four deaths, statistically. Yeah, I'm still Do trying really to find out. Do we really have how many deaths? You put 100,000 people together, you really get four natural deaths? 800 people entered the Capitol. Yeah, but the guys who died weren't the guys who were getting injured. Right. The guys who died were were laying back. They were the old guys. They weren't grandparents. The grandparents weren't 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 going at the Capitol. So now you get to this question: What the hell was going on at the Capitol? This is all part of the same story. This is the same story. So what happened at the the Capitol riots were the biggest political reversal in history. Reversal using a wrestling term. So they went into it with, with, with the, the electoral counts being challenged. They went into it with, I think, a horrid paper trail, if you looked for it, of, of profound corruption of the election process. And people say, oh, no, 61 cases in court. None of them were adjudicated, blah, blah, blah. None of them made it to the evidentiary level. None. None. No judge looked at the evidence. None. You know why? Because no judge wanted to be the one to fuck up this election. Are you kidding me? No judge would touch that. The head of the Wisconsin Supreme Court called his colleagues cowards for not accepting the case. So it was not by no means. All of a sudden, what happens? In one day, the electoral process is solved. Trump candidate, Trump is being not, Trump is a toxic word. The right wing is toxic. Um, um, All of a sudden now we've got a war on domestic terror. It's not just domestic terror, white supremacist terror, white supremacist, a bill that describes a war against someone based on their race. Think about that one. I did a search on that bill. White appeared something like 23 times. That's the most racist bill in Congress ever. And so now what we've all of a sudden got is we've got this war against the right. 
We got this war against the deplorables. It was all from a riot that admittedly the optics were bad. We'll talk about that if you want. But it was way less than the goddamn shit we put up with all spring long where they burned everything. I watched all the videos. Constantly, constantly people were saying, don't hurt the police. They're the good guys. Don't break the building. Don't do this. There was all sorts of people saying we're above that. The, the thing was civilized, but once in a while, you'd get into sh some shoving matches. You'd see scrums. The media found the worst stuff and showed it, of course. But most of the interactions with the cops were scrums. They were just the cops pushing, the people pushing. Now, then we get to this fucking thing about the FBI being all over that thing, instigating the violence. They do this. Years ago, they got called out for instigating Arab terror violence. Years ago, it turned out, this is something so stunning to me. They, a stand-up that said the FBI's hair follicle analyses that they used in court to convict people was 95% wrong. Oh, excuse me, my bad. Right? The FBI has gone totally off the rails and they're instigating it. They're embedded in there. You know, that, like that, uh, that plot to, 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 uh, to, uh, to kidnap the governor of Michigan. More than 50% of the players were FBI. The other guy said, we were just fantasizing but they're going to get their balls wrung out because they fantasized with a bunch of FBI informants were all testifying that they were going to kidnap the mayor, <coughs> the governor, excuse me. And so the cap rise, there was a bill to, 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 um, to, uh, to, to go after the evildoers in, 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 um, as a result of the Capitol riots. It was uploaded at 4.10 p.m. on January 6th. Boy, that was fast, wasn't it? The draft said draft January 5th. They'd written the bill before the goddamn event. The barriers were bike racks that weren't even attached to each other. The cops let them in. There's people in solitary confinement for doing nothing. And I know that the people who hate Trump and the people who, who've sucked for this optics are going, well, they deserve everything they get. No, they don't. Because if I get control, I'm putting your sorry ass in jail then. Because you deserve what you get because I think so. That's all that seems to matter anymore. So I'm just pissed. I'm super pissed at this whole thing. It's all connected, Chris. It's I know I sound like a batshit loon. Well, and there's... You have to start thinking, I mean, this always draws my attention to the global economy. We have right. gone off the cliff when it comes to monetary policy around the world. We have so much debt outstanding. I mean, monetary policy, there's going to be no escape from low interest rates, no matter what happens to prices. And we're going to have to come up with a solution that isn't, you know, hiking rates to 10%. We can't do it the old way. And so with, you know, COVID provides the perfect backdrop for people to say, hey, you know, look, the whole world caught a bad deal here. We've got the, you know, the top 10 uh, central banks in the world that have come together and are convening to, you know, put into effect the Great Reset. And here's the policy that's going to come with it. And here's the changes and this, that and the other. It's just the perfect backdrop for something like that 
to happen. It's the perfect scapegoat. I watched it for public companies. Every single company used COVID as an excuse for every single thing. You know, I said in my intro when I was talking about how great JM Bullion is because you can email a salesperson right away. Everybody you call now says we can't pick up the phone because of COVID, because of higher than expected wait times. It's the first thing you hear anywhere you call anywhere. Please expect higher than expected wait times. We can't call you. You know, we're not going to be able to get to the phone you know, within the next five minutes or 10 minutes, every single place you call says this. So that has become the norm now. And it's just, we have just gone so far off the rails and things are just, I mean, the labor shortage in the country right now, companies are desperate to hire people desperate. My coffee shop in my corner cannot fucking open on time. Uh, you know, in the morning when it's supposed to, because they just don't have the employees. I mean, it's everywhere. So here's what I think is going to happen. 95 going out of Philly is all billboards saying, we'll give you $1,000. We'll give you $500. Just fucking work for us, please. We need people. We need drivers. We need janitors. We need welders. We need this. We need that. You know, it's so... It's just the backdrop for somebody, you know, for the powers that be to come out and say, hey, we're just changing the game completely here. Uh, I don't think could be more ripe than it is right now. So here's what I think that's about. And I'm we'll find out soon because I think they're going to have to pull out the support soon. Um, although it's not a guarantee because there's always a multi-trillion dollar plan in the work somewhere now. That's That's totally the norm, which will destroy us unequivocally. Um, but I think part of the problem is, is I, you know, you've seen estimates that there's 7 million job openings, right? And, and so, so you say, well, just open it up. What are you doing? Just open it up. I think the problem is that there's probably twice that number of people who will need a job. So I think the problem is they know that if they just release the hounds and just say, okay, no more support, go get a jo- job. The, 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 the someone will lift the skirt on the fact that we got a shitty economy, and so 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 they'll find out. Oh my God, we got ten million people who are unemployed now. Now what do we do? So I think the number of people who are available for those jobs, the number of jobs don't line up well, and they, they don't know how to pull out the support. Yeah, you know, in sports, when you're wearing a brace. Once you wear the brace for a while, it's hard to get out of it. Right. Because you get you get emotionally attached to that brace. Well, I think uh, I think society is paying I, I think there's way more people than jobs, and I think they know that if they, they release everyone, we're gonna find that out and then they're gonna go, Oh, that's that's not good. What is that the noise? Thing- is your dog snoring next to you or something? Because that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I have a dog in my lap that's snoring. That's exactly right. Is it? Yeah. Well, can you put him somewhere else? Because he's um, I fucking can, up my but... podcast. Oh, yeah. And I love dogs. I'm sorry, but I've been listening to him snore for 20 minutes. Okay. Um, and I'm he's sure got... he's a very good boy. He's a, he's a sweetheart. He's uh, one of those flat-nosed Boston Terriers. And so oh, that explains the snoring. He he's probably yeah, snores yeah, when he's awake, too. Extreme. You, you, <laughs> Um, Sorry. Give it. I'll send him a nice. I'll send him a nice uh, treat in the mail. But you know, I think we've got an economic mess that is uh, being obscured by by those those stimulus checks, and they know that 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 the game will be over if they stop the stimulus checks and they get people to try to go back to work, right? Because there won't be enough. It'll be a bad case of musical chairs. 
on a whole on a, on a colossal scale. I he's want- trying to get on my lap. <laughs> he's <laughs> going, This sucks, balls. Yeah, um, sorry. No problem. It's just he's coming through loud and clear on the uh, on the on the recording. Yeah. No, no, that was me snoring. Was it, um, yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. So I, I, it all feels very connected to me. It all feels very great reset. But I, I you know, I've, I've tried so hard to understand what the great reset is. It's such a vacuous term, right? But it, it, it ultimately feels like this global takeover of of the system. And and it the major powers must be in on it. So then the question is why? Right. Why you say that? Um, but that's something that that a, just a deep depression could solve. And you know they could say, well, just stand back, let them eat cake. Um, maybe they're worried about the uh, the social unrest, right? A global fourth turning moment. Maybe they're terrified of that. Um, I have another theory that I think is interesting and that's possible that the, the guys up in high places who really have a bird's eye view or uh, have realized that the China can't keep consuming oil and we can't keep consuming oil and we can't, we can't consume the world's resources. For example, lithium, right? All these lithium right. batteries, where can we get the lithium from? It's not that easy to get lithium, it turns out. And, and so it's possible that these guys know that we can't live the big ass resource footprint that we're living. And, and as a consequence, they got to find some way to dial it all back. And, you know, I don't, you know, shrink the population and, uh, and get us all to fight climate change simultaneously, right? Central banks fighting climate change. Tell me that's not complete idiocy. Central banks have time scale scales of, of weeks and global warming has time scales of millennia. What does a central bank have to do with global warming? Yeah. Yet they're they're pretending to take it on like they can do anything. They can't do anything. I mean, they're incompetent, in my opinion. But but um, but but certainly something with the timescales of global warming is so far out the jurisdiction of central banks. But they talk about it. That's another narrative. That's another narrative. By the way, there's a guy named Mark Crispin Miller. You want to be entertained? Go look up Mark Crispin Miller. He's an NYU professor of media studies who's an expert on propaganda. And he thinks the entire COVID story is just propaganda. And I had a, I had a Zoom talk with a, a Stanford psychologist who's an expert on media narrative. So it's pretty damn close. And, uh, and he, same thing, he, he's gone down rabbit holes and drawn similar conclusions that this is just not, they were being sold a bill of goods. We're being sold a bill of goods. So, I, you know, it just feels like we're getting jerked around and, and it, it's, it's, I don't. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you about ivermectin real quick, because I saw you tweeted okay. about uh, ivermectin a couple months ago and you were the first guy to put it on my radar. And I watched a lot of uh, Dr. Pierre Corey interviews and certainly dove into Brett Weinstein and. Uh, I wanted your take on uh, ivermectin and what you think is going on there. You know, of course, they had come out and questioned that Egyptian study that was involved in the meta-analysis that was being used as uh, reason to advocate for ivermectin use. Um, Right. I guess the the sanctity of that one trial has been called into question, which would significantly reduce the effects of the, uh, the, the, 
the drug in the meta-analysis, and I wanted to see where you stood on, on ivermectin and how much you've looked into it. So uh, I could cite for you probably 50 different sources that say ivermectin works well, and then they find some Egyptian study that says it works well, and they go at it, and then what do they do? They didn't even do a good job of going at it, but then that becomes the headline story against ivermectin. So they'll they'll pick one paper, they'll they'll take a hatchet to it, and then they'll and then that will be the evidence that says ivermectin doesn't work. And so again, it's pathological lying. I I I don't have 100% confidence that it works, but it sure as hell is in the high 90s. Um, when Merck comes out and says it's dangerous, has bad side effects. There have been over three billion doses of ivermectin. I think four worldwide. billion. I think four over four, four billion, billion have, been, have been administered. Huge numbers. People have been taking prophylactically for decades. It's like taking aspirin. I could go find someone who had a bad reaction to aspirin too. So what? Why did Merck do that? Because Merck has a new anti-COVID drug they're trying to get approved from the FDA. So they're willing to lie. So now Merck goes from being a company that I've in the past defended to being the Death Star. They're killing people. They're killing people to get their drug cleared. That's horrifying. And I, I think if we do have a bad fourth turning period, the, the, the elite can blame themselves. And I think when they're hanging from their ankles from a bridge with, with the last flickers of light leaving their eyes, they're gonna go, you know, I think we should have handled this differently. So I, I just, <laughs> That fucking dog. I'm just insanely oh my God. angry. That poor it's, dog. It's big... Can you get the dog an oxygen tank, please? Oh, those, those, those pugs, they're so cute, but they can't, they can never breathe. It's like my buddy has a bulldog who I love, and the fucking oh, thing yeah, is just constantly guard. struggling to breathe. I don't even notice it. Um, now, he can breathe, okay, he just snores. Oh. Um <laughs> So in any case, ivermectin story. I believe I'm. I I have I no Charlie. You gotta get down, buddy. He doesn't Sorry, know. I feel terrible. I feel like such a dickhead now because I, I love dogs. I, it's a game I'm having trouble winning is the problem. Um, so uh, and I just Fauci watching the Fauci liathon yesterday. Um. They went through all the things that are bullshit and they skipped right over ivermectin saying it's highly controversial. And then they went right into remdesivir and Merck's drug and this and that. And so Fa Fauci's just a whore and a half. I just, I just, God damn it. I, I hope, he, I, I somehow hope he gets what's got, what he's got coming. I just, I just, he really ought to be in the Hague or, or at Nuremberg or something in a goddamn glass booth with people testifying against him. Let me ask you what you think about where the market's going to go from here. I mean, certainly everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And look, I mean, it's just it's a giant it's it's a giant nefarious shit show. You know, somebody asked me the other day, what do you think is going to happen to the stock market? And I was like, you know, I was torn between it's either going to go to, you know, the SPY is either going to go to 100,000 as a result of massive hyperinflation or reality is going to catch on and we're not going to be able to escape the box we've locked ourselves in and the SPY is going to go to 1000. So I was like, well, you know, it's either going to be one or the other, which basically equates to, I have no fucking idea. I have no clue. I have no clue what is going to happen going forward from here with the market. Does reality come back to the equity markets, Dave, 
And, and, you know, does the economy kind of bear the brunt of a real recession or depression again as a result of this? Or do we just change the rules uh, and or does, you know, does hyperinflation just become a thing and nominal prices go through the roof? Well, hyperinflation is different than high inflation. Hyperinflation, in my opinion, is a failed state. And so if we get the hyperinflation, that, that's when there really is literally blood in the streets. Um, high inflation is sort of 1970s, things like that. Um, we inflated away, and I didn't know this until I challenged Twitter and all of a sudden I got it in spades from people. Um, the bond market did financial repression at the end of World War II. So they dropped interest rates to super negative real rates, and they basically washed away a lot of World War II debt. Now, the, the difference is that that was debt that, that had at least a component of being unavoidable. If you're going to fight some Goliath war, you go into debt, and you say, we'll figure it out later. I get it. That's like that's like flattening the curve. Um, but but now we're going deeply into debt just because we, we don't want to come to terms with it. There's nothing that justifies as far into debt as we are. Now you say, oh, COVID. Yeah, COVID. We, we, that was a blip. We've been going into debt nonstop. And so COVID just, just it was a great excuse to bail out corporate debt and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I think we're, we have to ever come to Jesus' moment. We have to. We have to. It's like you're on top of Mount Everest. And you say, well, you have to come down. You go, no, we don't. <laughs> okay, stay up there. I don't care, but it's not going to work. And so the analogy, I've been trying to think of an analogy, and that is um, right now the market, I estimate, crudely speaking, I put it at about 130% overvalued maybe using two dozen metrics. And I know you can find people who say that the S&P earnings are, you know, have a PE of 28. I think they're more like 40. Um, price to book is through the roof. Uh, by the way, the equity markets, we, we have a problem where we have a recency bias that's profound. So the equity markets took off above historical fair value in 94 and never looked back. And you go, what, what the hell is that all about? And, and therefore, what does historical fair value mean if from 94 to the present, they really never look back? They came back and sort of touched fair value like a, a base runner might touch, touch up back on the base, but, but, but it never spent any time below fair value after 94 and was way above it most of the time. The other interesting thing is that the leverage divided by GDP also took off in 94. So you can see, if you wish, a, a, a rigorous correlation of leverage in the system and the equity market going above fair value. Now, let's say we're 130% above fair value. Let's say 100% to keep it easy. What it means, therefore, is that you're paying twice what you should pay for the same revenue stream. And if you want to accept that as a decent return, you're fine, but, but insurance companies are going to get whacked and pension plans are going to get whacked. Everyone's right. going to get whacked. No one is this... So, so Warren Buffett's best guess in his Fortune 1999 article, and if your listeners haven't read this, they should read it. I've read it probably a half a dozen times. Fortune 1999, Warren Buffett. His best guess is after all the fees and taxes and everything that goes into the goddamn system, you can't get above about 4% total return against inflation. 
And now, what does the average investor right now think they're going to get? And the answer is, according to a, a Gallup poll or a, a Reuters poll or something, is seventeen percent. Right. <laughs> so, so this is this is a come to Jesus moment of a higher order coming our way. Now, so if the return instead of being let's the, the fiduciary experts they typically estimate like six and a half seven percent something like that, they're not going to get seven percent off these valuations. And so let's say they can get 2% because Buffett says four, where twice the valuation ought to be. So let's say 2% real return. No one is ready for that. Nobody. But well, not nobody. There's guys. I, I could, I would happily, if you, if I, if you could promise me, if you gave me an investment that promised me 2% above inflation, oh my God, I would sign the dotted line right now. I don't do Texas hold them all in, period. Right. Period. I don't need more than 2%. I don't need more than inflation. But I don't know how to achieve even that. And part of the problem is I used to think the Federal Reserve had guardrails. And it's clear now, 2020 taught me they have no guardrails. There's nothing. There's nothing that they're not willing to consider. And as a consequence, they're no longer predictable. They used to be, you know, Hayek once said you can have capricious rules. And they're okay because the free market will figure out how to deal with them. He says, but you can't have rules that keep changing. And the Federal Reserve keeps changing the rules. And yeah. so, and when was the last time you read a market analysis that included valuations that didn't come I from just, Felder they or They just Hussman? don't exist. It's like, it's like debt, you know? It's just not a thing anymore. It's just- So uh, here's one- You know, that, that acquisition of Afterpay yesterday- or two days ago by Square. I mean, what does that company do? They do nothing. They, they take, what, what, what? Uh, the company, it's just a company that allows you to take something that you pay for and break it up into six payments on your credit card instead of paying for it all at once. And it, and it was acquired by Square at something like 40 times sales as if that's some novel idea, you know, when all it is is just amortizing debt over, you know, a longer period of time. It's just... You know, the way that we think about debt, the way that we think about monetary policy, the way that we think about stocks, uh, you know, I can't I can't fathom whether or not we're seeing a real profound seismic sea change or if at some point the market is going to correct all of this again, because we're so, so far off the path. You know, we're so far off the path right now. And like you said, valuation just doesn't come up, that, you know, metaphor. These, Wall Street has no problem touting companies with no revenue and no earnings as if they're the next best thing. And they got billion dollar market caps. I mean, it's just insane. It's complete insanity. So I've been trying to think of a way to, to, to convey this in simple terms. The best I've come up with so far is that buying the equity markets like like buying a car and you're hoping to get revenues off it as an Uber driver. Right, so the capital payment, the the book value is the car, and 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 your labor stuff earns you a revenue stream. And then the question is, how would that business model work if you paid twice as much for the car? So let's say instead of buying a forty thousand dollar car that's okay for driving Uber, you you spend eighty thousand. How's that going to work? And the answer is it's going to suck. Right. You can't. <laughs> for assets like that right? because you underperform. It's just simple arithmetic. It is second grade arithmetic. 
and it has to catch up to you. At some point, you need that money for other resources, and you don't have it. you got to pay the piper at some point, right? And they're depending on the bubble in the equity markets to fund something. I don't even know who. Well, the old, the rich guys. Now, now the, the wealth inequality story just gets worse and worse and worse. I didn't used to – I didn't – at no point in my first 55 years of my life did I ever ponder wealth inequality as some inherent problem. It always struck me that, look, in a free market system, you're going to have people who don't get much and people get a whole ton. You're going to get a bell curve. It's the law of the land. It's how it works. You got superstars. You got losers. Uh, I can't help that. You can't have a system that doesn't have that and be a fair system. Right. Now it's all fucked up. It's completely fucked up. So I did a tweet the other day that that went a little nuts where I said that, that, that the uh, – that the lockdown was essentially a bear raid on the middle class. Oh yeah. And all these, and, and no S and P company is boarded up and, and all sorts of middle class companies have boarded up. Right. All sorts of mom and pop operations have boarded up. And then the question is, well, what does that do? Well, one of the things it does is it is pulling more and more of the total nation's GDP underneath the indices. So as Linda's diner goes down the tubes, Chipotle gets new customers. And as a consequence, the S&P is inflating. Is it legitimately? I don't know how to think about it. The S&P is getting a boost from the fact that more and more, more and more people are buying everything from large companies in the indices. And obviously, Amazon's a brilliant example, but it's true for everything. Yeah, and it disproportionately affected the people who could least afford it. Right. You know, the bailout, but, but, when, when the Fed came in and acted, that was a bailout for the rich and for the corporations. And that is it. You got your little stimulus check, whatever, but the amount of money that they printed versus the amount of money that landed in the hands of the middle class is perverse. You know, they printed oh, something like forty thousand dollars per U.S. citizen, and the you know average U.S. citizen got what? You know, four grand or whatever. Where where did the other thirty six thousand dollars per U.S. citizen go? It went to save the stock market. And who benefits from the stock market being saved? The rich and the corporations. End of story. End of story. There's mom and pop shops all over, all over the city still that are closed that have closed permanently. I mean, it's just, it has brutalized. It was a tide that came in and washed away a number of businesses. There is an astronomical number of businesses that didn't make their way out of the first lockdown. And now they're talking about doing it again. As if the ends now somehow justify the means. It's like we've learned nothing. Is the background noise of the stream causing trouble? I had to take it to the outside. Uh, no, but you can hear it. Okay. Well, consider it soothing white noise. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so uh, corporate America did great. You know, they took a little bit of a beating, but they had the capital to bridge the gap, and the mom and pop operations got destroyed. Some of them are still there, but we drove through a town on the way up to the mountains here, and 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 just store after store after store was empty. They'd just been gutted. And what they're going to end up doing is going and working at the dollar store or something. Right, right. And and so, in that sense, the indices 
should be going up because they're cannibalizing a percentage of what used to be outside of the indices. So, no, I think the whole thing's fucked up. I think we're gonna, we are going to have a lost decade. And if Japan's any indicator, it could last 30 years. But um, right. we're gonna have a lot, we have to have a lost decade or we have to have horrific returns for a very long time. I made a plot last year and showed there's no way down. Once you're, once you're more than twofold overvalued, there's no way down. It's like that joke about the, the guy, the high wire, the guy in the high wire and the guy getting serviced by a 90 year old hooker. They're both thinking the same thing. Don't look down. Don't look down. Um, so don't look down. That's all I can say. Don't look down. Well, it's certainly going to be uh, – it's an unprecedented experiment. It's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, I just can't say I'm optimistic about it. I just – it feels like things are going to get worse before they get better, not just with the market. Does it feel a lot worse than a year ago? Right now, yes, it does. It feels way worse than in the middle of COVID. What, what we're doing now is the reaction that I feared would happen if we found out that this thing was way more deadlier than than we thought it was going to be. And people are reacting. You know, I expected people to be shocked when the news first broke in early 2020 and then for that to taper off and for us to get a vaccine and for the plane to kind of come in for a soft landing. And, and you know, the, the, the wheels touched the runway and we're just lifting off again now. And that's frightening. Yeah, and it, it and it looks. I don't buy the Delta narrative. I don't think. I don't think that. I think. I've read enough to say that there's a good case that there's such a thing as a Delta variant. I I can't rule out the possibility that the Delta variant is just an excuse for the failure of the vaccine to do what we were promised it, it would do. It could be. And I think the media is doing way more harm than good when it comes to it because of how well, it but is. The media is owned by like five major corporations, one of which is Bezos. So the media is no longer the media. So they're doing exactly what they're being told to do. Yeah. You saw, you saw that goddamn uh, bootleg video, Veritas video, where they got the, one of the producers at, uh, shit cnn and he said you know covid's not gonna you know they always get some hot chick in a bar and get the guy drunk and he starts talking <laughs> like an idiot, which which oh never been there before right? the honey pot yeah uh, I, I had one yeah, of those in my and, life uh, and the guy starts talking about the covid's not gonna last forever so after that we're gonna go straight at climate change and i'm gonna say it again i've said it on your on your podcast i, I think climate change is a total hoax I think it's a total hoax. I think pollution, microplastics, those are all real. I think I think resource depletion is real, but the climate change, I think, is a hoax. I, 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 I've seen so little that's believable that to the extent it's real, it's 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 you know it's like the flu is to uh, COVID. It's something to be dealt with. But we're about to be sold a bill of goods, and and there's there it's a trillion dollar a year industry. The handouts are unbelievable. So how do we how do we keep things going in the country? One of my patrons, Louis Louis Desi, asked me how this do we how, how in the world are we going to be able to keep things running with people so fearful and terrified of something so low risk as COVID? I don't know. You know, I, there's nothing that says we have to. 
um, people say, people somehow think that the American way, you know, what we were in the past necessarily perpetuates. And I think what we're demonstrating now is that it doesn't have to. And, and people say, well, yeah, we wouldn't put up with that. And I go, yeah, like those tough Russians didn't put up with the Soviet Union for 70 years. It can happen anywhere. And somehow, you know, Jonah Goldberg, I read his book a couple of years ago. And he basically, the message of the book is we have to teach every generation what got us here and what keeps us here. And we're not doing it. That was the message of the book. And we have not done it. We've got a generation who endorses socialism. We've got a generation that's now become adults, which is pestering corporate America to endorse socialism. Meanwhile, the guys in charge of corporate America are happy to just gouge the system. And I, I, you, you can't, I'm such a right-wing Reagan Republican guy for me to say that. I, I can't believe what a catastrophic change in worldview that's taken. But I sound like a goddamn, you know, pot smoking liberal from the sixties bitching about <laughs> the war, right? Well, I, I mean, think he, I think he makes a good point too. And one of the things that I said on Twitter the other day is, you know, what's going to happen if we get a real crisis? You know, I mean, COVID's a rough ride, but what happens if we we, we get a real crisis? I mean, the world's just going like to collapse. I mean, this China? is this is proof we can't handle anything. Like a war with China? Yeah, exactly. We, we keep talking about Russia like they're the risk. Oh, my God. It's kind of funny, isn't it? China yeah, is just obviously, so I think. So, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think we'll go through a period of soul search. One of, my, uh, one of my patrons wants to know what you think about the woke Olympics. Have you watched any of it? Uh, I've watched some of it. Um, I'm not as troubled by the woke Olympics just because I'm not seeing much of it. But um, uh, now let me break it down for you. You got a you have a a guy with a penis competing in uh, weightlifting with a bunch of women. Yeah, he got blown out. I think that might have. I thought of whether that was premeditated. He lost too, by the way. I know, but what if? Here's the storyline. What if everyone knows that if he wins big? It will create a farce of a higher order. Whereas if you want to push this narrative, if he loses, you say, see, women can compete. Can we make a farce of a higher order? Well, then you say, see, he didn't blow them out and therefore stop pushing back against guys doing women's sports. The, uh, the woman who, uh, turned her back to the American flag at Olympic trials on the hammer throw. She finished uh, 11th out of 12 competitors. So I right. saw the headline this morning was the she didn't soccer team losing to after taking a knee. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's just, you know, are people even watching the Olympics this, this go round? Uh, actually, supposedly viewership's way down, but it, you know, part of that's because it's on the other side of the world, which makes it hard. Um, but also part of it's because people are fed up with sports in general. The wokeness of sports is pretty, pretty bleak. My buddy, and, uh, my buddy Bobby Brooks wants to know whether or not you've heard of uh, Schrodinger, the uh, software company, and if you have any experience with their molecular modeling tools. Uh, I'm definitely familiar with it. Um, we don't use it, but, um, but, but it certainly is in the mainstream in chemistry. All right. 
Uh, let's see. I'm going to give you one more question here from the uh, patrons, and I'm going to let you go. And this is a good one. This is Ed uh, Kammeyer, who has been a patron of my podcast for a while. Uh, and this is a good question. As an educator, does Dave see any path forward to reclaiming some of the educational institutions, departments at least? Uh, what what does the academic scientific community make of the bastardization of science uh, due to the trend being pushed where, quote, follow the science is repeated as a mantra uh, but isn't actually done? Well, we are uh, – tell, tell – Ed is his name? Tell, tell him uh, if you're listening. Um, we're in the valley of death right now, and I don't know how long <laughs> – and as a consequence, it's hard to say. Um, these trends tend to pass because people do start to see how absurd it is, but I don't know how long it's going to take. Uh, the classic this year was MIT Chemistry, who I know these guys, and so in many ways I know this does not reflect their thinking. Uh, MIT Chemistry, uh, um, uh, the Twitter feed celebrated shutdown STEM. And uh, and and said only essential personnel would go to work that day, and and uh, Twitter turned it into a shitstorm of a higher order, and and I think the uh, I think the MIT wokies who who pushed that idea, not recognizing that that in STEM the T is the same thing as in MIT, um, and and the the comments were hysterical and uniformly venomous. And so it's conceivable that eventually adult supervision will step in and say no. Um, so, for example, if we in chemistry in, in Cornell, if we had a shutdown STEM movement, I, I would certainly oppose it with everything I had. Um, I don't know if my colleagues would, but um, my colleagues in general, I think, are reasonable people. But um, I'm guessing the MIT guys didn't know how bad they were going to look and they just ignored it. I'm guessing my my brethren, my peers at MIT were not paying attention. But then the, the message becomes, well, when are they gonna pay attention? And the answer is, I don't know. I'm sure science will come back, but right now it's, I, last year I wrote pretty hostily about group statements because science is supposed to teach you to think independently Group statements, by definition, are you're thinking as a group, so you're doing identity politics, and you're uh, you're compromising because you can't write one letter, you can't write one open statement that everyone agrees with every aspect, and so I just don't like group statements. I think they're a bad idea, and everyone last year during the George Floyd stuff and all that stuff. Um, in, we're, we're, we're making group statements and I oppose them all pretty much out of policy. Uh, I, I think that that will pass. I think we will go back, but any, any aspect of science, which is political is going to become a dumpster fire. No matter what I think at this point. And the problem is if science starts getting allocated resource based on politics, then science will be lost because then the whole thing will be a dumpster fire. Right. right now, most of science is just, you know, guys trying to do important stuff in their own little niche with their own little picks and shovels and trying to come up with cool ideas. And I would say most of it's fine, but, but there's, there is a rot in there. There is, there is a toxic component to it, which shows up in climate change. It shows up and showed up in COVID. Um, and, uh, and, uh, 
I think most scientists, unfortunately, just ignore it and say, I, I don't want to think about that. I'm going back to the lab, right? Yeah, and that plays to what you said earlier about, you know, they're, they're not, they're not thinking impact, about they're creating a bioweapon. They're thinking about just pushing it in their field and, you know, doing experiments and just fucking around with things. Well, we had a, a friend of mine who was head of NSF chemistry came to the department, gave a talk, and someone asked him, you know, about funding more green proposals, green chemistry proposals, right? He said, there are, we're funding all the good ones. We don't need any more money because they're, the ones that are deserving are getting the money. And uh, so we're, we're, we're meeting the demand of good, good, good green chemistry. All right, Dave. So I science will work its way through, I think, but it's, it, it, again, valley of death for a while. I'm going to leave you to your stream and your dog. You can sit outside and sip your tea and pet your dog and listen to the stream. And The uh, dog died. I thought my wife had come home, so I, uh, and the dog was starting to bark, so that's why I had to go to the stream instead <laughs> of the dog. No, I'll leave you to your uh, to your home. But thanks so much for so this taking. This live fed. This was live streamed. This one was not, but I had people submit questions uh, right before. Oh, I see. Someone else wanted to know if PE ratios matter. I saw that in one of your tweets, and the answer is yes. That's the uh, that's the uh, pay twice the money get half the return model. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's that simple, right? If you if you overpay for your assets, you're gonna under you're gonna underperform. That's it. it. That's, that's, that's it. it. It's a zero sum game, right? That's right. Appreciation pull forward is appreciation you're not gonna get in the future. Correct. Correct. And uh, so buy buy those expensive stocks now if you wish, but your return's gonna suck. Let's unless unless you unless you're a stock picker. You know what a stock picker when they say oh it's a it's a important time to be a stock picker, which is code for uh, and when you're done you will have to pick the wrong stocks by the way right uh, <laughs> i don't want to wait six months before i have you back on will you come back on in a couple of months yeah anytime it's, every, uh, you know i keep thinking we've run out of topics and the world changes that attitude fast that's it yeah exactly and i don't want to beat a dead horse you know you said to me before you came on you said oh, are you doing podcasts you know less frequently and i said no you know what i'm just I try to do a podcast when there's something to talk about or when I have something to say, and I don't want to put shit out. I don't want to put content out daily or, you know, weekly even sometimes. I'm doing about four podcasts a month, but I don't want to do more. I don't want to force it when I don't have something to say. And when I have something to say, then I take to YouTube I or I do a podcast or I call you up or whatever and we talk about it. Like today needed to happen. You know, I sent you a text in all caps a couple days ago. I was like, call him podcast now. You know, like it just yeah, yeah. It, it had to happen. Right. This is like our seventh podcast, I think. Oh, this yeah. Is, this... We're going for the record. I can't believe I haven't been deplatformed because of you yet. Yeah. You know, here's one for you. I have done three podcasts in the last, I'll say, four months that never appeared. Is that right? Yeah, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to out them, but I've done, I have three podcasts for regular routine. I mean, one is a podcast where my previous one was a 350,000 click podcast. And this one never got released. Well, I think this one will be. De well, I mean, this one will definitely be on Spotify, Apple, and all that stuff. Uh, YouTube might throttle this one. I'm not sure, but we'll we'll put it yeah, up there and YouTube, we'll see if it makes YouTube it. YouTube will boot us. Yeah. The Gestapo will come and get me. That's what they'll happen. What are you gonna? By do? the way, I, I was talking to my son. If I ever commit suicide, I'm gonna leave a spectacular manifesto. And if I don't, it means they offed me. Um, that's a John McAfee moment. All right. Uh, 
You think yeah. McAfee you killed think himself McAfee or no? He killed himself? That's what uh, I was no, going to ask you. I, I don't think so. I think he got whacked. I think he did. You I think th- he did what? I think he did it. I think he killed himself. That could be. Because I Either think way. I think he knew it would become such a, you know, I think he knew it would become such a big deal. It would be such a topic of discussion, especially given all of his past commentary about it, that he would, you know, that he would go out with a bang. So and a I, grand you know, finale. Yeah, I have yeah. no trouble with that model, too. He could have been afraid of becoming the next Julian Assange, too. That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, but the dude, I mean, he was old. He was like mid seventies. He drank like a fucking fish. I mean, he probably wasn't in the best of shape, anyways. And, and made, a lot of people don't know this, but but uh, he was really facing hard time too, right? Because of this crypto thing. I mean, they really were fucking coming after him, and so but they uh, sent a chick after him to off him, and he ended up marrying her. <laughs> what a what a character! She was supposed to off him. Janice, his wife. Yes. Is that right? I didn't know that. She was supposed to be a hit person, and then he ends up swinging her over, and they get married. Yep. <laughs> maybe she, maybe she whacked him. Maybe she's just patient. <laughs> I don't know. What a weird world. He's no Jeffrey Epstein, but it was entertaining. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, well, Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. They gonna get her on anything? Oh, did you see the story about Theranos? What they did? You know the Theranos story, Elizabeth Holmes. No, what did they do? So Theranos had to divulge, give up huge amounts of data to the FBI. And supposedly, and I don't, this, is, this story is suspicious at several levels, but supposedly they gave FBI all the data that the FBI would have used to convict Elizabeth Holmes of the fraud at Theranos. But they didn't give them the access code. Oh, FBI, I saw that. Yeah, to, in, to the, the, uh, to the USB God. drive or whatever, right? <laughs> They didn't check. Yep. And then once Theranos gave them all the data, but not the access code, they then destroyed all the data. But they're going, hey, we gave you the data. It's your problem now. So now the FBI doesn't have any of the data. What a screwy story. Now, I'm sitting there going, oh, boy, it sounds to me like there was com- some, some complicity in, within the FBI there, too. This sounds like this, there's, 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 there's people on both sides of this story. But but it's just so goddamn strange. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. One of the podcasts I said didn't get uploaded. It just showed up. Oh, did it? How about that? It just showed up. Uh, unless this is an old one, but it just showed up. Uh, uh, yeah, August 4th. That's it. Yeah, well. You know why? I thought it was deep six because I said critical race theory was a sack of garbage. You can promote that podcast now if you want to, because it's already at the end of mine. You know, if you had to listen to two yeah, hours. That's with, that's with uh, Stansbury, Daniela Cambone. Oh, okay, Stansbury. You know, I was invited to speak at their conference, and then they never talked to me again. That was interesting. Interesting set of events there with Stansbury. My Stansbury connection goes all the way back to about 2011 when I gave a talk at one of their symposia. Did you ever and, uh, did you ever see the uh, the unsolved mysteries episode about the guy the Ray Rivera guy and Porter Stansberry was in it and all that shit? Yes, I read about it. Very strange. Interesting very, story, very, right? Very strange. Anyways, and uh, I never bothered to ask anyone at Stansberry about that. Me the, the story I love here's the Stansberry story. There's a guy named um, Steve Sugarroot. And he's one of the Stansbury guys. You go to these conferences. They're real circuses. They're they're a thousand people, and they're really. You went there. You talked to one of them, right? 
Yeah, that's what I was saying. And I never got invited yeah, back right. to do and anything so, uh, with them. And so uh, Sugar Root, someone shows a picture. So here's Sugar Root running money, right? Someone shows a picture of his first grade report card. The teacher says he has difficulty with money problems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get a copy of that. Um, yeah, okay, in any event, we've run out of stuff to talk about. But someday I'll go back to Stansbury. That'll be fun. Well, I was going to tell uh, you, you, uh -oh, you can end the on, podcast today whenever you're ready because it's not working well when I try to wrap things up. I, uh, I, uh, I'm going to uh, the, the 20, 2021 New Orleans Investment Conference. It's a bucket list of people I want to meet. So I'm, oh, yeah, I'm giving who, a who's going to be there? They haven't told – what's that? Uh, who's going to be there? Oh, guys like, uh, 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 oh, come on. Well, Danielle, um, uh, Martino Booth, who I've met several times. I've given, I've been at two conferences with her. What a small world. And, uh, um, oh, God damn, I've seen your momenting. I, I'm not going to, don't make me go through this. It's like introducing people. Well, you're you're the Book one that brought it up, you know. It wasn't. A... <laughs> I know, I know. Peter it's, it's it's everyone. It's, it's all the hard asset guys that I've some of my met, like Rick Rule and Bill Murphy and guys like that. But it's also uh, serious guys. Ron Paul, I think, is going to be there again. I had dinner with him at, the, at one of the Stan Spray conferences. Big fan of Ron Paul. I think he's going to be there again. Yeah, he's a hero. Yeah. So that'll be fun. It's in New Orleans too. That'll be fun. Unless the Delta variant. Yeah, I and think we'll, we'll be on the Lambda variant by then. Yeah, we'll be on. That's right. We'll be on the um, the um, iota beta pi variant by then. Exactly. Um, okay, I'll let you go, dude. Have fun. All right, Colm. I'll talk to you soon, dude. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. All right. Take care. That was the one, the only Dave Colm. What a wonderful person. Nobody like him out there. You can say that for sure. I'm going to make an attempt to compress this two hours of audio now. And, uh, and then not get it taken off YouTube immediately, but we'll see how well that goes. I have a couple great podcasts lined up for August. I'm really stoked. I want to thank the people that have continued to be patrons of the podcast. Uh, it really means a lot to me. Check out the people in my podcast description that support this podcast. There will never be advertisements in the middle of any interview of any podcast that I do. That is my guarantee. I fucking hate it when other people do it, so I'm not doing it either. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm the fuck out of here. Peace.